But let's just start um, talking about a subject that, oh, it just begins to really get me. It's the whole age thing. Aging. I just had to laugh when my mom sent me this picture that's going to go up here in just a moment. Uh, it's, look, the title is, It's Time to Retire When? And I love this little old lady sitting at her computer screen with her whiteout, going after the screen. And my mom goes, this is me. I still want to use my whiteout. And uh, the good news is I don't use whiteout on my computer screen, so I know it's not time to retire yet. Um, but it's coming. I feel it. And, you know, they say with the whole aging thing that the first thing to go are the eyes. I agree. Um, I agree. I see some of you sitting out there with your little readers on and you're nodding your head. I agree. I love those cute little reading glasses. They're such cute ones all around. Oh, the sample house has my favorite ones. You know, and all these little patterns on the side, and they're really cute, and I love them. But who can find it? Oh, look, at, look, these have lights on them. All right. You need to hold that up. I mean, that's worth seeing. <laughs> And that's my next point in just a moment, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so they're so cute. Let me have them. Throw them up here for just a second. Okay, get a look at this. Not only are they attractive on this side. How do you get it to work, Kay? How does it? Wow. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, wait. I want you all to see. Wow, that's really cool. Look at that. So not only can I see it, but I can see it even in the dark, which is, oh, I only turned on one. Okay, sorry, sorry. So they are so cute, so technologically advanced, but the fact of the matter is who can find them when you need them? And that's a problem as well. I can't ever find them. And so I thought I'd headed this all off because I went and had not just laser surgery, but mono vision. It was what I got. So one eye sees distance, one eye, and it's really funky, and it takes you a while to get used to it, but that way I supposedly never have to have them, so I thought I was all set, right? Wrong. This past weekend I was in College Station with Audrey and some friends, and it really works well. I needed K's, till you get in a dimly lit room, and one of her friends handed me something to read, and the light is so low, there is no way I could make it. It was amazing that I could even see type on the page. It was just like I couldn't see a thing, so even, even when you try everything, even when you have it all done, there's a part of it that's undone because you know what? My body is wasting away. It's aging. It just is. And it just hit me. Wow, that's kind of like Daniel. Because in a dimly lit room, I couldn't see what I thought I could see clearly. I couldn't see at all. And it reminded me so much of where we're at today that God makes his plan for history very clear. He tells us in his word exactly what's going to happen. And he doesn't say it once. He says it even in Daniel. We've already, twice, we've already seen exactly the same, almost, the same picture. He's making it very clear. And let do you ever, and yet, do you ever feel like I'm standing in a room where my eyes won't work and I can't see a thing? I mean, it's there, but I'm having trouble making out the words on the page. And so today what we're going to try to do just in chapter 7 is to begin to step into prophecy because from here out in the chap in the book of Daniel we'll be looking at prophecy. We're going to only look at one chapter. There are pieces left to unfold. So we're going to continue to talk about this. If you're really interested in this, I would say we taught 5 years ago in 2005 we taught the book of Revelation. And so if this interests you and you want to know more and are hungry to understand, then I would say go to Watermark Radio and listen to the teaching on Revelation, which goes back and looks at Daniel. So these two, we said, fit perfectly together. Um, and it'd be great. There's no video. It's only audio. 
we've, we're technologically advanced now, and we weren't then. So, but, but the, the audio is there, so you can hear the lessons, look at the notes, and it'll be a great place to go. But today, in Daniel 7, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to look at, this is all from Daniel's perspective. So we're going to look at um, the view from God's perspective in the very first eight verses. We're going to look at the vision from Daniel's perspective. And then lastly, we're going to look at the victory from the angel's perspective. So let's get into it. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Daniel chapter 7. And what we see from the beginning is we get God the view from God's perspective from Heaven on high, God gives Daniel this vision to show him what will happen. It's a blueprint of the future. And we're told his uh, vision occurs in the first year of Belshazzar. Okay, I got to apologize right now and own up. Two weeks ago, I told you that the next week we were going to go backwards in time. See, I was... I was, I was reading this and planning it, and I forgot there was somebody in between me, and so I probably messed you all up. Now we're backing up in time. So we had gotten to the end of Daniel's life, but now we go to chapter 7 and we see we're back before the handwriting on the wall. That's where we are. This was probably 14 or 15 years before the handwriting on the wall in Belshazzar's life. So that's where we're back to, and we want to look at what, what, what can we learn here in these eight verses. And the first thing I think that we see is that there is a way, and it's probably not yours. It's God's way. And very often, God's way and our way, they don't even, I don't even say they butt heads. They just miss. They miss entirely. You wake up one day and you're like, How, what happened? This isn't the way I planned it. Well, there's the key word, I. There's a way. And it's probably not yours. God gave Daniel this picture. And your commentary laid out beautifully the four kingdoms. Again, we're seeing them another time from a different perspective because we saw the, the same type of images in um, chapter 2. And so we're seeing it again, but with a little more clarity and, again, different descriptions. So what do we see? Well, what we find is that historians, again, Daniel was foretelling something. We're looking back now, and it, what do they say? Hindsight is... 2020. So we look back and we go, oh, well, of course. He's talking about Babylon. He's talking about Medo-Persia. He's talking about Greece. and He's talking about Rome. We can see it. Well, that's because we're looking back there just like historians. And that's where we get the folks, even in, in some biblical scholarly realms, there are those folks called late daters. And they are people who read, I mentioned this at the very beginning of the chapter, who read Daniel 7, and it is so historically accurate that they say Daniel could have never written it at this time. It had to be written 400 years later. It's too perfect. Really? Wow. All that does for us, it is 100% accurate, which is God's requirement for a prophet, that what they say come completely true. It's exactly what happens here. And yet historians say, couldn't happen, couldn't have, done, couldn't have been done that way. He couldn't, have, he couldn't have seen that. But he did. That should just give us great hope for the future, for the end of the story, which he's going to let us in on today. Not only do we see those four kingdoms, we're going to see another one. So there's kingdoms the way they were, and we hear a little, we see a little bit more about them. We see that the lion has wings. I mean, several of them have wings, and of course that just signifies the speed. We see these ribs in their mouth. Well, think about something. When you see a carnivore devour something, Ultimately, you know, they might take the bones and chew on them. And so literally those bones, many people feel like if, if one kingdom, 
representing the beast, has devoured another, then the bones may simply represent the, the choice countries that they took on and are just, just, just nibbling over and drooling over for days after and months and weeks and years. So there's more to, to the description. But then we see this other kingdom that wasn't mentioned in chapter 2. It's a kingdom singular, and it's the way it will be. So we jump from looking back for us to looking forward to something that has not taken place in time as we know it. So in the end times, the time when time and space will be through, when the mountains fall on their knees, at the end of time, a final kingdom will rise up. And some say it will be a revived Roman empire. Um, he mentions here in verse 8 that there will be a little horn that rises up. Little makes you think small. Well, that's what I think, and I think that's exactly what he meant. He starts off small, but then he overpowers three of the ten other horns. So he starts little, but he becomes big, and he becomes a devourer of others. It says he's got eyes and a mouth that speaks. So again, these are human characteristics leading us to say this is a person. This is a flesh and blood living person. We're going to continue to talk about him in Daniel, um, but what we know is he would be the one we would refer to as the anti, which means against Christ. He is the antichrist ruler of the time at the end of all time. And we can look at other places in scripture to see details about him and what else we know. I love this verse from 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will come, will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, this is the Antichrist, is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything. We're going to continue to talk about this, but he will set himself up in the temple to be God. So he's not just saying there is no God. He's saying, I am the God. Okay, that is very different. He will call himself God. Every, he'll be against everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in the temple proclaiming to be God. And as I think about these, just these first eight verses, I think, okay, yeah, God's got a plan. Was it Daniel's? I don't think as a teenager when he was yanked up from Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, this was at all part of what was in his plan for what he thought his life was going to be like. I don't think much of what we've read up to this point was what he thought was going to happen. It wasn't his plan, but it was God's plan. And what has God shown Daniel up to this point? How perfectly he is going to care for him. Daniel didn't plan to end up in the den. Daniel didn't plan to have these visions. Daniel didn't plan for his friends to end up in the fiery furnace, but they did. And God proves time and time again, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so for me, what does it tell me? Well, I've got to be careful about my plans, making them. I do need to, there's a good, uh, a positive side of planning for the future. I'm not saying we shouldn't. There is a positive aspect of that. But be careful because God delights, I think, sometimes in changing our plans and redirecting what we think our way should be. I can literally look out in this room and I see women who I know, when you were young, you looked to the future and you saw a husband and living happily ever after, and years later, you sit here single still. Where's God? I know there are women in this room who planned 
to marry and have children and live happily ever after, and you sit in this room, and your children are uh, struggling daily with major health or physical limitations. This was not what I thought it would be, but it was God's plan. And so we never know what our life holds, what tomorrow holds. We don't know what, it, what is in store for us tomorrow, but we know who is in store of tomorrow. And that's God. And that's really what's being said here. I love Proverbs 69. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And then that takes us to, I think, the warning in these first eight verses. It's not stated, but I think underlying the warning is God has a plan. And he's saying as well, the warning here is is one that we should heed. And it is don't try to figure it out on your own. Avoid that. And you can look around today at lots of self-help things out there, things to help you plan for the future, things to help you whatever. You can do tarot cards. You could do fortune tellers. You could do uh, palm readers. I mean, they are, it's shocking to me, but people really pursue those. And God is very clear in his words. Avoid trying to figure it out. Trust me for today. Know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. There are plans to give you a future and a hope and rest in that and do not try to figure it out. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 18, 10, God makes it really clear. This is not neutral ground, ladies. If you choose to try to figure out your future some other way. No, you are setting yourself, you are anti-God. You are setting yourself against what God has said. Here's what he says. There shall not be found among you anyone who practices divination, soothsayer, an augur, a sorcerer, a charmer, a medium, a wizard, a necromancer. I'm pretty sure that includes everything that is any of the categories we've talked about. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, he was talking to the Israelites going in to conquer the pagan lands. Give the nations you're going to possess. They are the ones who give heed to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord God has not allowed you to do so. I'm shocked, like even kids, um, for a party. Oh, let's have a fortune teller. It sounds like such fun. Um, Let's have a palm reader for the party. Don't do it. Warn your children, don't do it. When you do so, you set yourself up against God. I just love, again, the planning of God. And I loved that the Watermark News, just this past week, um, for those of you that don't go to Watermark, this is our weekly um, newsletter that comes out on Sunday. And this story was about a gal on staff now named Amanda Marley. This is a gal who... I don't think she'd probably even planned much, but her life, before she'd even had a chance to really make many plans, took a dramatic change. At 15, her father fell over dead of a heart attack, and literally everything in her life changed. And it began a downward spiral for her that led to drinking, drugs, um, set her against her mom who remarried, um, and she felt then she'd lost both parents. She goes on uh, to have an unplanned pregnancy, an abortion, um, begins stealing, shoplifting. She's caught. And she says that, you know, she was going to be put in jail, but a one-year drug court program was the only way to save, uh, to avoid jail time. So she says, you know, okay, I wanted the charge off my record. So my intent was to complete the program and then have myself a big O party. She didn't really say big O, but I did that. Um, and to have a big party. God's plan, she says, was different. There it is. God's plan is very often different than we think it's going to be. And as a mom, I think I better be careful as well for making plans for my kids because it's going to be different. It's going to look different. 
And so that's the word for us. The real issue is, are you faithful today? And I love Jesus speaking about the fig tree. And he kind of brings this thinking around to telling us what to look for. And um, the verse is going to be put up. But basically, he's saying, you know, you know how a fig tree is. And when it's about to, when it's setting in bloom and what it, what's, you know that spring is coming and, and that fruit is going to be put on the vine. And so just so you should know that um, that the end will be near when all of these things that I laid down in my word that we're going to continue to study through the rest of this uh, class, look to those things because nobody knows the hour or the day, only the Father. But he goes on all the way, I think I put the verse only to 41, but go back, write it in your notes and read it all the way to 44 because he says, um, watch be watchful and be ready. That's the bottom line. You don't know the plan God has for you, so just be watching and be ready. And that takes us to the vision. Um, and this is the vision from Daniel's perspective. Starting in 9, we see Daniel telling us, okay, here's what I'm thinking was going on. And he begins to tell us about the ancient of days. That word just conjures up all kinds of things, doesn't it? The son of man and the seated court. And so in those three persons that he describes here in these verses from 9 to 14, what do I see there? I mean, what, what do we make of that? So he describes God, and this is the only time in Scripture where God is given um, the human characteristics. So he describes God, he then talks about the Son, and he talks about judgment. And I think the first thing we see as he gives this description of God is that ultimate power always has been it is and it will be in God's hands. That's what you learn about the Ancient of Days. Um, you see that, that he will um, judge. There's fire, which represents um, his glory and his judgment, and it took us to Ezekiel. And, and I can take you on. There are passages in Zechariah 13.9 or Isaiah 48.10 where God is an all-consuming fire. He is a refiner. He will purify us as one who walks through the fire. So definitely... Um, Purification is part of God's plan. And so clearly we see that God is the one holding all the power. I see that as well because look what happens. It talks about the little horn here, and it says the little horn boasts until the moment God is finished with him. Do you see? God lets him go. Let's just give him a little line there so he can just hang himself. Let's let him get out there, and that's what God does. He gives Satan a time to boast until he's finished. Until. It's great. It's a great line. Time and space are in God's hands. Swiftly, the beast and uh, this horn will be slain. They'll be obliterated. He leaves some. Again, we're going to continue to talk about this as we study the rest of Daniel. But what we need to know is ultimately there comes another kingdom. Ah, we now see an even different one than the four. We see another kingdom rising up because the four that have been mentioned up to this point will all go away. That's what you need to know. Every earthly kingdom will disappear and then there will become a kingdom that will never go away. It will be forever. And we know this is the one we're longing for, looking for, waiting for because it's the kingdom of the Son of Man. He's the one that will set it up. And that, that's the other thing that we get in this picture. We we see the Son of Man, and we see that he comes under the Father, or the Ancient of Days. These are two persons of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. And so what we see is we see a beautiful picture of submission. As a woman, this is great. Again, it's not a bad thing. The Son submits to the Father. This is, this is how it should be, that there is an authority. And I love that. It's beautiful. It's balanced. It's dis he's distinct. 
And I would circle, if I were you, I would circle the word or, or square it or highlight it in verse 14. And to him, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and kingdom. Circle given there. Then look at it. It's repeated in 22 again. And judgment was given for the saints. Um, and then the time came when the saints received. And then go down to 25. And they shall be given into his hand. Ah, given. You see, it's... It's very different from all the other kingdoms. All the other kingdoms were ferocious and brutal. What do all of those have in common? They take. Nothing's given to them. They take things. That's what we do. What makes wars among us? It's, it's the evil that dwells within us that causes us to want to take things. Jesus doesn't have to do that. It's given. It's, it's handed over to him. And I love Revelation actually goes on and gives us more of this picture. And it tells us in Revelation that it literally is with the words of his mouth that Jesus slays. And we can see in Scripture there are lots of other places where the battle was already won. People didn't have to pick up a sword or anything. They banged some little, some little earthen jars as they walked around Jericho, and they blew some horns, and the walls fell down. Nobody had to do anything. Nobody had to dismantle it, climb over it, nothing. Come on, this is not the first time this has happened. Do you see that it will go again all the way to the end, and Jesus will speak. Look at Revelation 19.15. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Now, I really don't think it's going to be, you know, that, um, that one from Star Wars. I don't really think it's going to be that. It's not that one that makes the funky noise. I don't really think it's going to be. I think this is a picture of us, that Jesus literally by speaking the words, just like God did, how did the world come into being? Let Jesus, God at the very beginning said he spoke creation into being as each day of of creation unfolded and so in the end it shouldn't surprise us that he speaks and the nations fall is that not given to him he doesn't have to overtake anyone and ultimately then we've got to know that judgment's coming that's the bottom line every human will be judged we've talked about this so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it but the bottom line is the books will be laid open and this is these are the work the the book that has everything that we've done in our life and if we have not trusted in Jesus Christ alone as our salvation, then we will be judged based upon what is written there. But we know from Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9, that if we trust in Jesus Christ, that book will be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in him alone that we'll stand. So I don't know if you um, were riveted to your televisions on the day that the Chilean miners were brought up from underground like I was or like the whole world was. But what an incredible, someone was like, well, does God really do miracles? That's a miracle. Okay, he used some humans, but come on, ladies. This is a miracle. Never before had men lived underground for 67 days with a tiny little hole to connect them to the world and, and survived. It never happened before. And who knew better that they'd been safe from the very jaws of death and the men themselves. Watch this little clip from YouTube. Um, and there's really, you're going to have to read because there's no, no sound other than background funky noise. But let's just run it and you all read along to uh, what's on the screen as these men are being brought out from under the earth.
So not only does God gain the glory from those verses, but clearly Jesus comes into the picture. And is that not an awesome, awesome picture of what God has in in mind and in store for us that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ? Who knew that better than these men who were certain death was probably the only thing available for them, brought from the, literally from the bowels of the earth, they could testify like no one else that it's God alone through the power of Jesus Christ that saves. And so like these men, I think Daniel, at this time in his life, he was under Belshazzar, evil ruler, set, set aside, forgotten, and not part of uh, ruling the country anymore. I think he could have felt hopeless. I think he could have felt um, in despair like these guys in the, in the bowels of the earth. And so these words brought him, this vision would have brought him hope that God has not forgotten me. God has a plan. And it's, again, to give me a future and a hope. And so today, are you experiencing trial? Are you um, in need of being sustained? like Daniel, or like these guys, then meditate. These verses are for you. Meditate. Read them over and over that God is um, in control. And that takes us really to the very end, and it's the victory from the angel's perspective. I think it's so cool of God that when Daniel was troubled and didn't understand all that he'd seen and what was going on, he gets a divine narrator, a divine inspiration. So an angel actually comes to explain what's going on. And he talks about the horns of plenty, these 10 horns that many believe are a um, latter day, again, extension of the Roman empire. Um, There'll be 10 kings or 10 rulers, 10, 10 presidents perhaps, that rule in some type of a confederation. They join together to rule. Um, the original Roman Empire stretched literally from Africa through the Middle East all the way across Europe. And so many believe the horns could come from any one of those countries. They go back and look at the Roman Empire and the territory that it ruled and say, gosh, they could come from any of these places. It caused a lot of stir when the European Union was established several years ago. Um, or it was the European Federation initially that banded together, and really there were like 13 countries initially, but everyone was like, oh, this is it. It's the beginning. And they came up with a common currency. Oh, my gosh, the euro. It's it. This is it. And that's what we all said. But again, it hasn't completely panned out. But wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens that leads us to the prophecy of fulfilling in this way. And it takes us then to the little horn because there's many horns, and then there's the little horn. Again, we've talked about why he's little and what we see that he does. He's going to even attempt to change the calendar. He's going to, again, speak against God, and he's going to rule for a time, times, and a half time. Okay, if you're wondering what in the world is the deal with the time thing, well, write it out in your Bible in the margin. Time equals one year. So times, plural, in this case, is two years. And that means half time is six months. So add it. One plus two plus a half is three and a half. Oh, well, we find that other places. Amazing. Yes, um, he is allowed to rule, to speak, and to do these blasphemous things for three and a half years. And three and a half years is 42 months, to be exact. Revelation, they had us in our lesson go to Revelation 13 and read, and this is what it says. Revelation 13, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words, we know that from Daniel, and blasphemies and exercise authority for 42 months. How long is 42 months, ladies? Three and a half years. These are the same. You see, exactly the same. He was given power to make war against the saints and conquer them. Ah, we read that in Daniel, no surprise. All inhabitants of the earth will worship him. All 
whose names are not written in the book of life. So those whose names are written, but everyone else bends the knee to worship him, just like in Daniel's day. So, you know, bottom line, I think, is do we know who it is? Do we know when it is? No, absolutely, we have no idea. The bottom line is we can't, we've got to be careful about focusing on the evil and injustice in our world today and saying, where is God? Who, who's in control here? God is. He allows for a time these things. So instead, we've got to hang our hope on Christ alone, the triumph that comes through him. I love 2 Peter 3.13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Everything will be made right Are you looking forward to that today? More than ever, this is the time to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13, and to run with perseverance the race that is set out before us. And ladies, it's a marathon. Let's just be real. This is no 10K. This is a marathon. You're in it. And so set your eyes on Jesus. See the end and run towards it. And then let's end with these words from Paul to the Ephesians. I love it. It's a great prayer. Um, When my children were little, An older woman encouraged me to pray these over my kids at night. And I can't think of a better thing to do. So for you young moms, this is a put their name in the blank. So I pray that the eyes of Jordan and Audrey will be enlightened in order that they will know the hope that God has called them to. That they would know the riches of his glorious inheritance for them as saints. That they would know his incomparable great power for all of us who believe. Because we share that. That the power of his mighty strength, they would know that the, the power that he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. How thankful I am that we serve a God who has a plan. And he's in the business of orchestrating every event that comes into your life and mine and the life of my kids and my husband. So let's look at our life today through eyes that can see clearly. Father, thank you for your word, and it just makes it clear. And we just need to stick on these pages and read what you have for us and hold on and help us always in this room to look forward to the future. In your name, amen.